Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about content moderation, and we dig deep into how, why, what is important to enforce, what we're thinking about with content moderation, all the way to getting to the point where there would be open source licenses for different rules of engagement, depending on the space you are in. How we got there is fascinating and important. Have a great time uh, listening to this podcast. I know you will enjoy it. I, I actually have, I was, I was going to pull us into the topic of the day because uh, we were the original group that was talking around content moderation. So I would love to go back to it. Yes, we please. Make, make this a part two. Um, I, and let me review the notes I have for it of, of the next point, because we had a good conversation sort of about content moderation, but we, we got to a point where we were trying to figure out if it's even possible to do real content moderation. And can we moderate things on a, on a global basis because of the different rules, the different standards, right? You know, to the point where we were talking about a UN for social media. Um, so there'd be some actual governance possible, you know, of, of content. And it's hard to say. And then that brings up, like, what about attestation and bots, um, mm -hmm. promoted things that people promote, um, you know, are allowed to promote uh, right now. And, you know, I know the platforms differentiate between political speech and paid political speech and um, non-paid political speech, although that gets really fuzzy. Um, democratic speech from that perspective, and not all countries have, you know, First Amendment. Some countries have much more aggressive slander um, or, um, you, know, you know. Rules about slander, defamation. libel. Libel yeah. is the word I'll say. Yeah, libel. Um, for that, this is just, it's a huge topic, right? Um, and then the, boy, now I actually had more questions from, even from that. Let me, let me team up and, and then open the conversation because yeah. I think we'll, we'll cross. There's a crossover between what we used to call public square. Uh, this was partly like Elon Musk calling Twitter the new public square, but it's a private company and it's social media and the behaviors uh, are different. And so, you know, and maybe this is the right place to start is, is social media the public square? Um, and what, you know, what do we allow people to say in a, in, um, in the public square? Um, yeah, let's, you know, that's a ton of topics. Where, where do we want to start? Well, start with your last one. I mean, the whole point here is what is a public square? And there are usually rules of engagement. There are standards that are applied, whether they're written or written down and, and enforced or not. But they are there are standards of behavior. They generally rely on the audience or the population to you know, keep the persons or organizations speaking in some sort of you know kind of 
they have to they have to color color inside the lines for the most part. Um, there's there are obviously going to be exceptions. There are people who will who will test the limits and so forth. But the point that you've made is that public square can't be owned, operated, controlled by a private ent entity and still be called a public square without some outside governance and some outside supervision. Okay, so here's my question. As we're defining the public square, are we specifically pointing at humans or are we pointing at technology, cyber-physical systems, as well as humans? And I raise that because in today's public square, there could be bots, there could be NLPs, there could be AI. Yep. And the rules that you apply for conduct, ethics, etiquette, would then either A, and this is the question, do they have to be segmented by are you human or not? Or does one size fit all participants in that public square? Well, I, I know how I feel about it, but go ahead, Rob. Do, I, do, those do, are my do questions. A, do, do AIs have a right to a voice? I mean, I guess we... This is this 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 feels very um uh well uh, I'm trying to remember that that book where corporations became AI and AI entities were incorporated and became right. corporations which are actually uh in the US people, legal people. So yeah, you could have an AI that is a corporation that is has legal rights to speech from that perspective. So I yes. <laughs> I think what it comes down to is who or what has agency. And, yes. And anything that has agency has to basically live by the guidelines. Now, um, what that then says is, you know, to whom or to what do you open up the public square without, with, you know, and, and make it the level playing field. Um, part of uh, what a public square is about is also um, visibility. It is, it's, it's, you know, there's a certain kind of transparency that's involved with the public square that says um, the person, agent, thing that is making an utterance or putting something into the public square, it has to be identifiable. And there is, and for the simple reason that they also have to be uh, responsible and accountable if and when they transgress and go outside the rules, whatever those rules are. You're you're making me think. I, I agree with you incredibly strongly. Right? The we shouldn't have um, 
for public, for, especially for public square, um, unattributed, unattributed comments or activity. You're not. I'm, I'm trying to think of the equivalent of having a public square where everybody showed up wearing a mask um, and covering their face and. You know, the speaker was anonymous and the people in, entering into the spaces were, I mean, I, I think that would not feel like public discourse to us. Um, that, that, that might, that would likely end up looking and sounding more like a lynch mob. Indeed. It certainly would look like one. Um, they, I think the point that you're making is, is a good one. Um, Let's back it up just one second. It's yeah. accountability and responsibility that has to be assured. Identity doesn't, I mean, I, I don't absolutely have to, you know, disclose my identity. I have to have some means of establishing that I have agency, that I am uh, a legitimate participant. And that if I transgress, go across the whatever the boundaries are, that you know the whoever is the moderator, the modulator, the the agent that that, that takes takes responsibility for that can find me or you know. You know do something that would either prevent me from repeating it, penalize me for transgressing, what have you. Like an undisclosed uh, source. The reporter reporter knows the source. But somebody uh, somebody somebody does. Mm -hmm. Somebody may know the source or have a means of of you know getting to that to that source. And and it's interesting because I actually think the undisclosed source um in reporting weakens the argument from a from a disclosed source. But I, I, I think one of the things we've missed in in our content moderation discussions, our social media discussions is this is a, you know, a disclosed, known, trusted speaker. This is a masked speaker that is known and trusted to the platform. True and so then nice. this is a completely and we have we don't we don't have any of that attribution at all. No. I was interesting because I was thinking about this because there's there's reasons, um, and because the other side of this is that a lot of people who do speak out um, be on on any side of an issue, then open themselves up for harassment or doxing, exactly threats and things like that. And I, I think one of the things that needs to go this is this is really not where I wasn't expecting to make this statement, but if you're going to have content moderation, one of the other things that you need to have is strong defense against harassment and threats and things like that. And one of the things I find really disappointing right now is that people are getting all sorts of death threats. They make comments, they're getting death threats, they're getting attacked, their, their lives are being upended. And we are not protecting those people from that, those attacks, right? Like they testify before Congress and they get death threats. Mm -hmm. um, and as a society, we were just like, well, that's the consequences of speaking up. And I, I think we've become more numb to that 
or maybe we've decided we just don't have the resources to, to prosecute it. Feels like we should be able to prosecute it. But okay, so so let me put this in a a for instance. Play what if. Please. Take it to the take it to the metaverse, right? There's content moderation that's going to have to be done. If metaverse is in fact a single entity, previously known as the internet, and it's now the metaverse, who would govern? That's number one. If metaverse is actually, Rob, you have your metaverse, Rich, you have yours, Klaus, you have yours, I have mine, and I happen to be a retailer and you happen to be a manufacturer and somebody else is doing something else, the rules of the game will be set by those that have the most to lose, which is the brand, not an overarching governance body. They may ascribe to a set of principles from an overarching body, but if it's going to be a situation where if you come into my metaverse and, and misbehave and I don't smack you for it, then it's my brand that's going to get bashed, right? And so uh, in those I like, kinds I like of that. I think I like that version of of the metaverse where it's where there's you have you have rules when you enter the space. Right? Technically, mm -hmm. we're supposed to be there, like with Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But as we know, the, the enforcement's uneven. There's a different problem too. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a there's their version of enforcement, and then there's the enforcement that we would like them to have. But in this sort of, you know, metaverse moment that I'm having here, the brands that are responsible for paying for the space or the technology that creates the space and that attracts the customers and whatever, same way as they, they have it on social media now to a certain extent, they may have a governing body for their metaverse that is either corporate or out of voice of the customer. And the reason that I'm going down this road and ask the question about AI is because I had a very interesting, there was a very interesting thread of comments on LinkedIn yesterday um, through a, a question posed by Andreas Welch at SAP about uh, ethics policies and AI. And I see metaverse and this whole content moderation thing as being I guess, table stakes that you would have to have some sort of ethics guidelines, but how you would enforce those to different entities, meaning an AI or a bot or a human, may have to be changed based on the location of the party chiming into the town square or the metaverse locale or the rules in that person's country of residence or the data center in which that bot lives or AI lives. This is getting very convoluted and complicated, especially in a decentralized world. Sure. The question is, you know, what do you have available that demarcates the a jurisdiction? You know, and once you have demarcation, then you can come to the point of saying, ah, um, I, you know, within this jurisdiction, these are the rules that prevail. Um, right. Not following those rules will result in, you know, the following 
reactions. For example, yeah. along with identity comes the, the idea that if you transgress, you will not be allowed back in, for right. example. Right. And, and, and I see that as being viable because people are buying virtual real estate. Right. Think about the days of Second Life when all the major corporations that wanted to in, <laughs> interact with people went out and bought a piece of a plot in Second Life, paid, paid fortunes of money, had it designed, had it built, had it, you know, attract people. And some of them are still there. IBM spent a fortune doing it. Yeah. So did Oracle and, and Microsoft yeah. and, and all the big tech companies. So, I mean, if I have 10 bucks to throw at mine and somebody else has 200,000, clearly the rules and the technology around that metaverse are going to be different. But it also goes to the bigger question of who is this governing body that's going to give me um, uh, a guideline, a framework, some reference to say, what are the ethics of this new content network? How must I moderate it? And where do I have to start pulling in my uh, digital voice versus my real voice, town square versus metaverse? And how does that all shake out? I mean, I don't see a DAO stepping up to the plate to do this. No. Because that would be Web two all over again. Well, if we even back away from that, what if, and said in what we're going to call the you know IRL and in, in in real life, yeah, who or what does takes that role, and it has been for the public square. Um, jurisdictional, it's countries, states, regions, whoever has authority to make certain, to make the rules of engagement and then, you know, post them, make, make them clear or make them available to participants and, um, either themselves, uh, take action or take action on whatever or who whoever is hosting that public square and basically removing their right to to be in the public square hold you know you know establish a public square or what have you i mean there these are you know there there are rules that societies establish but you know they they probably don't go to the limits that you're discussing, that people are discussing with regard to uh, metaverse right now for a number of pretty obvious reasons. You, you're, oh God, there's, there's something that the phrase hosting a public square strikes well, me as... What entity creates or... Is the uh, it, it, you're entirely right. It's you, you, we're we're moving into a place where, um, right? You know, public square in the sense are hosted environments. I, I you actually drove me to thinking of the government having 
sponsored public squares. I mean, it'd be like having, I'm going to, I want to have a protest in front of the Lincoln Memorial in right. DC. I need to file a permit. Right. And I don't, I don't think people pay for that because it's going to, but it requires police presence and barriers and, and, right. and stuff like and that. It, it, and it requires identification. In other and words, it requires, if, if, right. You know, there's there's accountability and responsibility that goes along with that. Would the government? Good. If we get back to Joanne's point about okay. you know our individual metaverses, we are talking about ourselves as the hosts or the the host agent for you know some sort of a um, if it's not a town square, it's it may be a permissioned you know, kind of come on into the auditorium, but still. Like it's like a university there is, campus. A re- there is responsibility. Right. Well, I mean, that what you're describing to me is like a speaker at a university camp. Universities provide forums for speakers all the time. Um, right. Once again, we're still back to, to their, their known people with, in a in a venue that is sponsored and setting the rules for the discussion. Um, actually has an audience that might protest or object and and they they might change their mind. I, I I was actually getting to the question, Rich, that the government might could sponsor these public forums. Like just like we would have people show up at signs in front of a, a monument, I could see the government in in Joanne's version of the metaverse saying, you know, we actually have public forums that we sponsor. Right. Even and like government uh, in the U.S. presidential debates are run by a not a bipartisan group that, you know, creates a, you know, rents the venue and the rules and things like that. Um, I, I actually like that. It's they're not long term things, though. Like it's mm-hmm. I want to go have a I'm going to go give a speech. I'm going to set up an environment. I'm going to find a host for that environment. Um, there's going to be rules of engagement and it's going to going to come and go. Mm-hmm. Not not the way we're building social media today, which is all about retention. Um, I'm sorry, it's all about retaining retention, you know, yeah. watch time, attention. Yeah, um, because there's a whole other side to this, which is in content moderation. There's we're talking about moderation and content that the social media companies are about promotion. And and they the thing that I think can't be ignored in this conversation is the value they get by promoting certain types of content. Um, right. Cause we're talking about your ability to speak and, and things like that, but they are making deliberate choices about promoting placement, um, amplification, same as promoting, but amplification um, of, of what they've got, Josh. Yeah, no, I absolutely they are. And, you know, I mean, if you look at I mean, you can take it back, I guess, to the idea of monetizing that attention. So what ad are you going to run at what point in what person's view time and the amount of time versus the number of times they're on a particular post or site or whatever is what matters most because the longer they're on, the more time there is to monetize the LTV and all of those numbers start to figure in. Whereas in a, in a decentralized metaverse world or one that 
you have that's more like pop up as you were talking about like the presidential debates and things like that you don't necessarily have the same kind of monetization model but i think what we run the risk of is a bleed over of behavior from social networks and social platforms into this emerging new paradigm. I did it on Twitter and you're not going to shut me up in in your space in the metaverse. Right? For trolls and and bots and you know things like that. People that just do nothing but raise hell with other people for no reason. Um, I mean what, at what point does that become like you know social bubbles where people are only interacting with and this is part of the thing that public squares are, are neutral neutral ground, right? What we're describing though tends towards you know yeah. segregated are, society. But a lot of Reddit. Sorry, Rich. No, go ahead. Oh. No, that, that, that's just what I was going to say. Like you're describing Reddit because that's literally what happens. Like it's it's an echo chamber. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think of Reddit as a as a shared space, but you're right; it's not. It's a whole bunch of of individual rooms that don't cross pollinate. You might you might have a personally aggregated feed, but that doesn't mean that that one r slash you know uh, you know whatever is is actually engaged with people from a competing r slash mm-hmm. r slash cats and r slash dogs um right. doesn't mean that that there's a dialogue about cats and dogs yeah. i mean all that done patrolling uh, done uh brigading or or, or trolling no and, and, and those are forbidden in the terms of use on, on reddit like doesn't mean that it doesn't happen anyway but um yeah well, so so when it comes to moderation, I think there's moderating the dialogue, which is the content part. And I think there's also moderating the crowd that goes along with that content, because mm-hmm. the content emanates from things or people, right? So we could... It's much easier to create a framework of rules or or sort of guidelines around the eth- the etiquette of the public right. square or the metaverse. But I think it's much more uh, sorry of who may attend or be considered um, a contributor versus mediation and moderation of what gets said, people and things. And what gets said, which may be mutually exclusive in forums like or areas like the metaverse, because I can say, you know, as the owner of the space or the host of the space, these are my rules. You have to follow them or leave. Um, How do I it's you know, there's moderation between me and another individual and or AI, but there's also a moderation and content governance around two others that have nothing to do with me but just happen in my space and potentially no pun intended about my space and what happens in there that would make a difference to it because 
you know, a, 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 um, some not pleasant discourse between two others may have huge ramifications to me as the host, even though it has nothing to do with me, just because it happens to be my little virtual spot in the world. But this, where this I have to is, is, the, is the intersection or the, the, the spectrum between moderation and, and promotion um, or amplification. So like you, you or your bots or whatever's policing your space has choices to say this interaction is going to be disallowed and kick people out. It could be stopped, leave the people in. It could be uh, isolated. So it was just those two people interacting and everybody else was, it was muted to everybody else. Or you could actually decide to promote it and amplify it and, and pull people's attention to that conversation. Right. Um, and so I, I think that, because that's when I think of content moderation by default, I typically think of it as limiting speech. But I think we're approaching it too narrowly because I think that it's um, that moderation includes amplifying speech as well as um, sure. muting. Spotlight. Absolutely. Yeah. But there do have to be, well, let's put it this way. If I were in control, if it, if the if it was my my platform, and I allowed disruptors to to you know basically interfere with um, someone's discussion, someone's presentation of of a belief or what have you then the question becomes exactly what you've just come across you know if it is it mine or do or you know am i estab am i establishing this this platform this space for um interaction with you know certain rules it's like you know walking into a debate and there's a, there are, you know specific rules of engagement there are there are particular forms of uh, of etiquette and protocol that are going to be um, that that we agree are followed. And if in fact they are not, someone gets in, pounds the gavel, shuts somebody up. And if it's disruption from the audience, they literally have the ability, hopefully to throw them out the door if we're talking about a physical space. Plus, yeah. you want to add? Yeah, I, I just wanted to go back to what what Joanne was saying before the um, about it being easier to write rules to, to moderate people than it is to, to moderate content. And, and I think I agree with that, but I also want to add that enforcement, in my at least from my perspective, is diametrically opposite. Like it, it, it's really easy to to create a system to enforce content rules. It is hard to to create a system to enforce moderation of, of people. Um, 
like for example, let, let, let's say swear word filters. Like if you have a list of, of swear words that you want to filter out, that's easy to enforce. But actually creating the list in the first place and, and creating the rules so that let, let, let's say um like you you, you don't ban words that are not swear words otherwise uh that that's really difficult on the other hand like yeah. saying saying like writing rules saying like okay you no, no trolling uh no no brigading um uh, be nice to each other those are easy easy ones to rule to to write because you know the humans can interpret them but actually enforcing them if effectively is hard because I could create an on an alt account and, and continue trolling, and, and there's very little you can do about that. I, I think even if you're not, you know, trying, somebody's trying to circumvent your your trolling on that. I think there's a human component of, you know, either people not understanding what the rules mean, or deliberately not understanding what the rules mean and, and working, and, and and it's tricky to, I guess, one of the things in, in the list for this is no matter what we do, it's not a human, the moderation is not an amplification, it's not really a human human thing at this point. It's just not, it's not manageable by people. Right. I mean, people have to be involved at some point. At some point. It, it, it is a very biased activity. Even when automated, I would say, especially when it's automated. Yeah, Joanne. So, okay, so I was going down a similar road to what Klaus just said, but what about making the environment itself be the regulator, moderator, enforcer? What do you what do you mean? Well, if I look at like I, I just kind of was thinking out loud and I put this like there's moderation of attendees and agency to participate. There's moderation of content, i.e. the swear words, no four or five letter words like trust uh, moderation of interaction between guests or guests and machines, meaning humans or machines. So if you have to moderate those things, why not make the environment of let's say the metaverse or the platform, um, the moderator itself. Yeah, give it well, give it a means to, yeah. by which to to moderate. What what do to you moderate, consider yes. the environment? Pardon? What do you consider to be included in the environment? Are, well, are we talking look, participants? No. No, the environment. The the. The domain, the the piece of virtual space in the ether that's called my section of the metaverse and the rules that of engagement based on the way I create that space. Because in a decentralized environment, I have that opportunity, right? right. I'm not centralized with anybody and, else's rules. As and, a decentralized entity, why can't I do that? No reason why you can't. I think for you know, out of out of both etiquette, politeness, and and kind of 
everything that would continue to keep something like this moving, you need to post the house rules on the door as you as you enter, you know, Joanne's metaverse, Joanne's auditorium. You know, right. these are the rules. This is the these are the words that are not allowed. This is the behavior to the degree that you need to interpret this, interpret, but here, here are the rules. And you know, if you can't abide by them, recognize that um we can, you know, make you disappear from the room. I I, I I'm that sounds very threatening, but yeah, it is threatening. But but at the same time, you know, if I walk into a a a, a meeting and I say something, and uh, you know, everybody get you know gets excited by the fact that I've done something and I should have given a trigger warning or something to that effect, the rules. You know, as I walk in the yeah. door, need to be posted. If I go in and participate in a debate, I should know the rules. And if I don't, then uh, you know, an infraction calls for some sort of uh, either warning, you know, uh, some sort of some some action by the hosting. You know, we're getting back to you know who and what is the host and what is that. Host have, you know, responsibility for. Right, because what what I foresee is, you know, in certain blockchains, in certain uh, situations of coins, there is a penalty if you don't vote. Mm -hmm. Right, you you can have part of your stake held, or whatever the penalty of that particular network operator is. What I'm thinking of going forward is if this whole decentralized web sort of plays out the way people are thinking that it may, you're going to need a whole set of ethics and etiquette rules for different countries, for different parts of that metaverse, uh, without a standard way of creating a governance body or a steward. How are you how are you not going to have brands being bashed because you know let's say for instance Rob and I got into some sort of a tiff enriches part of the 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 web who's going to say who's right who's wrong who's going to adjudicate there's going to be litigation all, all all through this nonsense and and it, and it can't be applied after the fact it, it, this is right. very, one of Rich's points is that's going to the thing that the, the two of you are, are making me have an aha moment about. And I think the thing that's broken yeah. in our current social media landscape is that the next platforms will have established rules. They yeah. need to have established rules. And when you walk into the space or participate in the space, you the, the, that 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 is part of your decision to enter the space is to understand the content moderation. And, um, and, and by the way, if you post the rules, but then don't apply them or don't apply them equitably, it's up to the, you know, the outside world, the participants, the attendees to, first of all, call that to your attention 
Second, call that to the attention of anybody else walking in the door. And and this is what's happened. What you just described is what's happened to Facebook. Yeah. I mean, is that Facebook didn't have any rules when they started. They've been making up the rules as they go and they're applying them inequitably. And yeah. the platform is suffering as a consequence. Um, I think Twitter's Twitter's in a similar similar state. And I think if you look at um, you know, like Truth Social, which actually started from a position of um uh, you know, in some ways, they made their rules and biases very well known, but they that was their goal. Um, I think you'll see that those, you know, where those forums go. Um, well, isn't that I will change? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Rob. Isn't that I <laughs> forgive me for my stupidity, but wasn't that part of the reason that Discord started? to separate wheat from chaff where you'd each have your own separate space in which to, you know, mm -hmm. have those discussions without one bleeding over into the other. That was the intent. Yet it doesn't happen. Well, discord still is by invitation or open. So there is, there is permissioned access into the into the into those conversations now how if how diligent are the hosts regarding those you know, those those gatherings those those virtual gatherings uh, another question but i i also think it it creates a filter effect that we see as counter to the, the public so the idea of a of a of a necessary public square. Exactly. Where There's a distinction between public squares and permissioned, uh, you know, permissioned events or auditoria. I, well, but but even so, I think that if you had, you could define platforms that had public a feel of a public square by defining the rules. Like like I think what we're missing here, and, and we're out of time. And so we need maybe a content moderation free, although I'm amazed at how far we got on this, is that there will end up being classes of rules to say this is a public square rule base, rule base and it has these attributes to it. And this is a partisan rule, you know, square, you know, space and it has these. This is a public presentation space, you know, a, a seminar space and it has these rules. And, uh, ideally, they'd end up being... Uh, I think you will have societal societies, not unlike the debating societies of you know mm. the the nineteenth and early twentieth centuries, where they said these are the rules of engagement. These are the rules of this of this space, and you know they will be available. They'll be open source. You know you'll go to GitHub and. And pull down the the list of rules and whatever mechanisms that are available to um, kind of automate some portions of those. And um, people will say this is you know these are the you know these are the these are the house rules for this space for this conversation for this interaction. And if we do an Apache license or MIT. Here's, license. here's the license. Go take a look. Yeah. 
I don't disagree with you, Rich. I, I, I think that's exactly what's going to end up happening. But what I'm fearful of is, and I'll make it very brief because I know we're out of time. The same situation that I've had on Discord emerging in these kinds of spaces where I literally was told by a moderator that, well, you're female, you cannot participate. And this was not some random weird, you know, group that I would Discord server that I was trying to join. It was actually something industry related. And Whoa. I thought, if that's happening on Discord, what the hell is going to happen in, in, you know, the next iteration of the web? Because yeah. there is still this element of wild, wild west. Well, Sad as it is. That's a good closing note, actually. We have a long way to go. All right, everybody. Yeah. I'll put this back on the calendar for more discussion. Think about I think it's worthy. Definitely. Thank you. Me all. too. Take care. Have a good one. Bye, all. Wow, that was a powerful conversation and definitely one we are going to go back to and keep expanding on. So we want to hear your thoughts, your point of view here, and you can just come in and join us. At the 2030.cloud, you will find our schedule, our agendas, and links to uh, participate in the forum. Thanks, and I will see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.